Well, it is so good to be here with you all this morning. My name is Emily, and um, yeah, this is my first time here, but you guys are all so welcoming and so loving. Thank you. Um, so I'm introducing to you, I think, a new, a new song. You might have heard it on the radio. It's called Another in the Fire. And I want to tell you a story that kind of, for me, really sets the tone for this song and um, reminds me of how real God's presence is in our life. So um, about a month ago, my my grandma passed away, and um, there was a moment where my mom was sitting with her, and she was, her, her body was just failing her. She was really cold. She was shivering, but she wasn't physically cold. She was just really felt cold, and um, her eyes were closed, and all of a sudden, she opened up her eyes, and she said, he's here. And my mom said, who's here, mama? And she goes, Christ. And um, my mom then reaffirmed to her, yes, he is here. He's here with us. Just reaffirmed the gospel to her. And at that moment, she stopped shivering, and she said, I'm warm now. And when we see our loved ones comforted by the comforter, it reminds us how much he can comfort us and how much he truly loves us and his presence, how it's so real in our lives. So this song is just all about that. No matter, no matter what we're going through, he loves us, and he is with us. Reckoning. 
Well, good morning, church. If you wouldn't mind taking your seats again and or heading back to your seats, I am going to be doing the scripture reading this morning. Um, it's from Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. You can follow along behind me, I believe. Um, so if you want to take a minute, look it up in your Bible and follow along or your Bible app. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your spirit and how you come into our lives when we accept you. Father, I pray that um, as the challenge goes, we pray this each and every day that you fill us with your spirit, you fill us with the various fruit of the spirit, that we can continue to live our lives by loving our neighbors. And we just ask you to speak to each one of us how you want to us to live and how we can put aside those selfish desires and that we just walk with you. And we pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Elsa. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to put this somewhere uh, where it doesn't get lost. Uh, is this yours? Okay. I just don't want it to get lost. So, uh, hey, guys. How y'all doing? Uh, people, Facebook, YouTube, really glad you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so, real quick, uh, whenever I say real quick, usually it means I'm not sure what I'm doing next. It's a pause. Uh, I'm stalling. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to bring this up or how to speak to this, so I just want to speak to it for a few minutes because I do think it's important that we kind of acknowledge what's happening in our world today. So many of you are aware of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and uh, with this, you know, some of us, maybe we feel nothing about it. Others of us, maybe we're deeply stirred by it. Some of us, maybe we're even angered by it, and there's a lot of different things that come with this. 
And uh, so this last week, I actually received an email from a buddy of mine, Dave Whitaker, who was actually with us a couple of weeks ago. Dave is the national, uh, the executive director of Venture Church Network of the National Association. We work with a couple of ministry partners, World Venture, also with Mission Store. We have a number of missionaries who are working in uh, Ukraine. And uh, so I received a uh, email from uh, Dave encouraging me, but also encouraging pastors across the country to be in prayer for what's happening in uh, Ukraine. This is significant and important uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, it is important because I don't know how many of you are aware of this. I really wasn't aware of it uh, until reading it this last week. Ukraine, uh, there is a large Christian population in Ukraine. Okay, very, very large Christian population in Ukraine. In fact, it is the number one missionary sending country, the number one missionary sending country uh, in all of Eastern Europe and Central Asia. So it is a country where the gospel uh, is going out into the nation, but it's also affecting many other nations around it. So you can imagine when there's this kind of a war, uh, it, certainly it upends people's lives. We should be praying for Ukraine uh, if for no other reason. Lives are being, uh, pe- lives are being lost. Uh, people are fleeing their homes. They're fleeing their possessions. They're fleeing to safety. Uh, this last week, I also called a buddy of mine. Uh, his name uh, is Mike, Mike Johnson. And uh, you may have heard me talk about Mike before. Some of you, you know a little bit of my uh, life story at age 16. Uh, I had walked away from God. And uh, it was through the ministry of, of my, uh, Mike Johnson that I began to follow Jesus and recommitted my life to Jesus. And so Mike has been working with pastors all around the world. Uh, for the last 30 years, uh, and he has worked, he spent a year or two and a half years in Belarus working there and, uh, has worked a lot with Russian pastors, also Ukrainian pastors. And in fact, was supposed to be in the Ukraine this week training pastors. So it's what's happened is it's actually, um, uh, I believe the enemy is trying to use this. And by the enemy, I'm not talking about Russia. When I'm talking about the enemy, I'm ta- talking about, uh, Satan. Okay, And one thing I do think we need to bear in mind, that what Vladimir Putin is doing is absolutely evil. Okay, It is, it is a lust. It is a lust, a, a lust for power that he is willing to pursue at the cost of millions of lives. Okay, So what Putin is doing is evil. But what Putin is doing is not indicative of the heart of every Russian. There are many Russians who are grieved and appalled by what's happening in Russia now. So I made a new friend last week who is Russian. Okay, I don't want to treat him with dishonor or respect because of Putin. Because what Putin's doing is no indication of him. It's not like every Russian is bad any more than every American is good. Right? We get that. And Jesus died for them as much as us. So what we want to do right now is I just want to pause. I want to pray. Um, you know, our world may be at war, at least parts of Europe are at war at this time. But what we need to bear in mind is that God is good. God is awesome. Absolutely awesome. I guarantee you, I guarantee you one day the knees of Vladimir Putin are going to hit the ground. And he is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. 
So Jesus is Lord. Our great, our God is great. He is awesome. He is good. He is faithful. And what we want to pray for is we want to pray uh, for the people of Ukraine, uh, also the people of Russia. But we want to pray for frustration to Putin's uh, efforts. And we want to pray for uh, the progress of the gospel uh, in that part of the world. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, you are great. You are good. You are awesome. You are faithful. You are Lord of all of your creation. You are awesomely in charge of everything that's going on. Right now, I pray for those who are suffering. I pray for those who have left homes. I pray for those who have abandoned all their worldly goods. I pray for those who are, I pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones in this war. Lord, I, I pray, um, I pray that you would frustrate the attempts of Putin. I, I, I pray, God, that you would use the sanctions that are, are currently being used uh, to force Russia to um, uh, to uh, to to pull back, and God, I I pray I pray for pastors in Ukraine. I pray I pray for pastors in Russia. I pray the, I pray for Christians there that you give them wisdom, that you give them courage, and you give them grace in this time. And I pray, God, that you would prove your faithfulness in their lives as they walk by faith. And I pray for the advancement of the gospel uh, throughout that part of the world and in our community and our nation as well. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and for your glory. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So we are doing a series right now, and we have been uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We're doing a series uh, that we have called Life in the Spirit. And all of this is based upon uh, uh, Galatians chapter 5. In just a moment uh, ago, we had Elsa who uh, read that for us. And uh, very quickly, I just want to go back and cover two verses from this. Okay, uh, In Galatians 5.16, the Bible says this. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. But the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. So this last week, what I did as I was preparing for this message is I went back through and I looked at every use of the words faithful, faithfully, and faithfulness in the Bible. There's about 200. Okay, So I went back and I went through all these different verses. And as I was looking through them, I also spent a little time reading through a few Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias on the subject of faithfulness in the Scriptures. And uh, and then I was reading a book by this guy's name is Christopher J.H. Uh, Wright, uh, who I think I've quoted fr- from him a few times in this series. His book, Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, great book, great book. So real quickly, what is faithfulness and why does it matter? And this is my definition This is my definition based upon reading all those different texts of Scripture and based upon my reading of those uh, Bible dictionaries and encyclopedias. And I'm not saying that my definition is better than theirs, uh, but in this sermon, it's the definition uh, that I wanted to use. Is that my definition is this. Faithfulness is unfailing loyalty. Okay? Unfailing loyalty. When someone is faithful, you know you can depend upon them. Is that true? Yeah. 
That, that faithfulness is unfailing loyalty. Now think about this in relationship to God. What if you could only trust God some of the time? Do you understand why this is important? What if, what if, what if God was only occasionally faithful? Alright, if you're a salesman, I mean no offense in this, okay? But I have known some, some salesmen who I have trusted, uh, a lot. I, I, this is what I say, is when I'm gonna buy something, whatever it is, when I buy something, uh, I, I wanna do business with, uh, uh, a person, I, I wanna, I wanna buy a product at, uh, uh I wanna buy something that, I can't remember how I said it. How do I say it? Yeah. What my wife said, okay? I want a product I like at a price I can afford from a person I can trust. So when we bought the house that we're in right now, yeah, it's I brought my wife just to help me preach this sermon, okay? Uh, uh, she is my recall person, okay? Uh, my mind is just kind of goes blank. So uh, so what, what I remember when we bought the house we're in right now, uh, Faye B. King. How many of y'all remember, remember Faye? Okay, she's with the Lord now. I miss Faye. I really do. I used to drive her crazy. All right. I, for a lot of reasons. Okay. But when we were buying the house that we're in right now, she used to get really frustrated with me because I was always online looking. You know, she's like, I supposed to do that. You know, but this is what I appreciated about Faye. What I appreciated as I knew that she had our best interests at heart. She wasn't trying to sell us something just to get it sold or so she could make a profit. But what she was concerned about is she was concerned that we get fair value on the home that we were sailing, and she was concerned that we'd get fair value on the house that we were buying. And she was faithful. She was faithful. She wasn't, she wasn't just faithful when it suited her. She was faithful when it suited and served us. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Is that what faithfulness is, is it's unfailing loyalty to another person, even when that, even when that loyalty, even when that loyalty uh, costs the faithful one everything. Isn't that true of God? I mean, look at what God has done for us. What is, you know, when you think about when you think about God, it cost him everything to be faithful to you and me. It cost Jesus the cross. In this world, there's war, there is violence, there is chaos. But God is good and God is faithful, not just occasionally, but always. This is why, this is why we can walk by faith instead of living in fear. See, a lot of people, they struggle and they watch the news and they get very afraid and anxious. If that's you, turn off the news, pick up your Bible. Okay? I'm not saying don't watch the news. I'm not saying don't read the news. I'm just saying that if after reading it and after watching it, you're anxious, then you're not really thinking about the faithfulness of God You're thinking about all the things that you cannot control. And and what we need is we need to remind ourselves about the faithfulness of God. See, it's because God is always faithful that we walk by faith. That we can walk by faith. That we don't have to live in fear. 
When you know what, when you want to know what faithfulness looks like, imagine Jesus enduring the cross. That's what faithfulness looks like. Imagine Jesus enduring the cross. Imagine the blood, the dirt, the sweat on his brow. Imagine the crown of thorns on his head. Imagine the nails in his hands and his feet. Imagine the deep furrows on his back left by a Roman scourge. Imagine Jesus in the agony of the cross. And that's what love and that's what faithfulness looks like. That Jesus suffering all for us, even when it cost him everything. Faithfulness... Um, is uh, this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is the one, I'll be honest with you, this, fruit of, this part of the fruit of the Spirit, when we're looking at, we're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is talking about what God wants to be descriptive of my life, your life. This is what the Christ life looks like when we're following Jesus and we're walking by the Spirit. But this particular aspect, the faithfulness aspect for me, is the one that kind of scares me the most. Can I tell you why? It kind of scares me a little bit, and and, and I'll, I'll tell you why it scares me, is because um, is because sometimes sometimes um, I'm not sure exactly how to say this. So can I just read this for you? Okay, true faith, true faith. You know, sometimes people say, "Do you believe in God?" Oh yeah, I believe in God. Do you believe in Jesus? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay, but when you look at their life. Sometimes what you see in their life isn't representative of what they say they believe. Do you, do you get this? Are you, are you with me here? And, and faithfulness, faithfulness is this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that, that, that scares me. And, and I feel fear for those who claim to believe in Jesus, but there's little evidence of enduring faith in their lives. See, see that, that true faith is always proven by enduring faith. It's not just faith for a season. It is faith that looks like faithfulness. By the way, the word faith and faithfulness are the same word in Greek. Pistis. That, 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 that faithfulness is um, enduring faith. It's, it's not the pre- profession of faith that saves. It is faith that endures, that saves. The true faith... Um, true faith is enduring faith. That the faithfulness is enduring faith, and enduring faith is saving faith, and it requires commitment, and it requires perseverance. It does. To the church in Smyrna, a church maybe not that different from the church in Ukraine. To the church in Smyrna, maybe like the church in Ukraine, The Lord Jesus instructed John to write this. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. By the way, when people tell you, if you're hearing and listening to preachers who are saying that God wants to prosper you and he wants to make you you prosper in all these different ways, just remember that Jesus said this. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take courage. I've overcome the world. 
By the way, the Jesus who said that says this. He says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be, be faithful. Be, you see that? Do you see that? What does it say? Be faithful, even to the point of death. And I will give you life as your victor's crown. See, faith endures. It endures. Some of you know the story of the Lutheran pastor, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he once wrote that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Jesus says, he says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If the cross teaches us anything, it shows us that sometimes following Jesus involves sacrifice and suffering. And sometimes even death. Bonhoeffer, he made this statement. He said that, that, that when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. By the way, sometimes that death looks like physical death. Sometimes it looks like dying to self uh, for the sake of another person and putting their interest above our own. Bonhoeffer was arrested by the Gestapo in April of 1943. He died by hanging on April 9th, 1945, at a concentration camp in Flossenburg, just days before American soldiers liberated that camp. Sometimes following Jesus means that we have to be faithful to the point of suffering and the point of death. The truth is, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like addicted to comfort, you know. You know, I'm, I'm like my dad. I can stand anything but pain, okay. It's like, can't, can't Jesus just give me the American dream, you know, with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in? Uh, and I, I think that, that Jesus is saying, follow me. And so this raises the question. Because the reason that people... Don't follow Jesus, I believe, ultimately comes down to this. Can God be trusted? I'm willing, this is, okay, this is me, this is me. Years ago, grad student, working on my degree, wanted to go into ministry, praying God, God, I I believe that he wanted me to study, practice, teach God's word. I said, God, uh, how do you want me to invest my life in building your kingdom? And I believe that God said to me very, very clearly, I want you to plan a church, you know, go to a community where there is no church and start a church. I want you to plan a church that makes disciples, that meaning leading people to actually follow me. I want you to plan a church that makes disciples, make disciples that plant churches and plant churches to reach our world. In some measure, we've been able to do, been a part of a lot of that. But I remember at that time, I was praying, saying, God, how do you want me to invest my life in serving you? And I felt like God was saying, I want you to plant a church. Now, for those of y'all who've never started a church from scratch, when you start a church and there are no people, there's also no paycheck. Did you know that? What that means is that you have to find people who have a heart for what you have a heart for, who are willing to step up and support you in that work while you get the church going. And that's not easy. 
first of all, it's not easy to raise the kind of money necessary to do something like that. And secondly, it's not easy to start a church where there is no church. It just simply isn't that easy. God's been faithful. Gave me a fantastic wife. Bringing Matt Carolyn into that work very early. Many of you who are still with us today. Uh, many that God has taken to other places. But, you know, here's the thing is, I remember praying, saying, God, would, how do you want me to invest my life in serving you? And I, I felt like I kept saying, God was telling me to plant a church. And I was like, God, I don't want to do that. So how do you want me to invest my life in serving you? See, that's the thing is that, that I didn't want to, really what it boiled down to is I didn't want to have to trust God. I didn't want to have to trust in his faithfulness. I wanted to be able to trust in the the faithfulness of a consistent paycheck. Do you understand what I'm saying? That was really going on in my heart is I was more concerned about, you know, just being able to cover life's expenses than I was with following Jesus. Eventually, you know, whenever you're in an argument with God, I I can tell you who's always going to win. Well, let me tell you, I can tell you who needs to win. Okay? Uh, I'm way off track. I'm not even in my message yet. Can God be trusted? Can God be trusted? Number one, this is what I want you to see. And I want you to see this in the Old Testament scriptures. God is faithful. God is faithful in the Old Testament. Sometimes people, they make a distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I'm like, don't do that. Because God who is God in the Old Testament is God who is God in the New Testament. And the teaching of the Old Testament is very consistent with the teaching of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see grace. Oftentimes, it's called kesed or loving kindness. And we see kesed, loving kindness, grace, charis in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we sometimes see wrath. By the way, in the New Testament, if you read through the New Testament, in a number of places, particularly Revelation, you see wrath. Same God. Um, in the Old Testament, we see God is faithful. When you, I can't remember who I was reading on this because I was reading a number of books, but I remember I was reading this and, and they made this comment uh, that that on every page of Scripture, even if you don't see the words faithful or faithful faithfulness, on every page of Scripture, you will always see God is faithful and God's faithfulness. I believe that's true. God is faithful. Uh, we see this in the Old Testament. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God. He is the faithful God keeping his covenant, his promise of love. To a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Our God is a faithful God. Uh, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Any of y'all ever hear the old uh, hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Terry, you like that. I, I saw your hand go up very quick, and a lot of others as well. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. I'll, I'll not do the rest of it because I'll get it wrong. But God is faithful. And it's based upon Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. See, Lamentations is a lament. It is like a song of worship to God in great pain and suffering. Because Israel has been carried away. Israel has been carried away into captivity. 
And in the middle of this lament and prayer and song of worship, Jeremiah says this, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. God's not finished with us. We are not consumed, for His compassions never fail. They are new. God's God's compassions are new every morning. You can never exhaust the compassion of God. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful in the Old Testament. God is faithful in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you. You ever have temptation? Okay, nobody but me. Alright? Uh, no temptation has overtaken you. Temptation ever feel hard for you? Ever feel hard? It does for me. Particularly if it involves food, okay? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is what? Faithful. He is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way, uh, a way out so that you can endure it. The God is faithful. The Bible says the Lord is faithful. And He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. The Lord is faithful. Because God is faithful, I can trust Him with everything. You can too. Because God is faithful, I don't have to be afraid. By the way, you don't have to be afraid either. What are you anxious about? You anxious about the economy? Maybe you're anxious about your pastor. Maybe you're anxious, maybe you're anxious about a procedure that's coming up. Maybe you're anxious about a loved one. Maybe a loved one who's walked away from Jesus. Maybe a loved one who uh, maybe they're, they, they have a procedure that's coming up. <sighs> because God is faithful, I don't have to be afraid. By the way, because God is faithful, I don't have to be in control. See, a lot of us, we want to be in control. We'd rather trust in our control than God's faithfulness. Because God is faithful, I don't have to fear, suffering, sacrifice, or even death. Our God is faithful, and we have nothing to fear. What faithfulness looks like, uh, just make a couple of quick comments here. I could go through all kinds of stuff here. It's interesting. The first three uses of faithful in the Bible, first three uses of uh, of the word faithful are used of a guy named Enoch, a guy named Noah, and a guy named Abraham. The Bible says of Enoch, he walked Faithfully with God. And then, in case you didn't get it, it says it again, two verses later. Enoch walked faithfully with God. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Enoch. It just tells us that he walked faithfully with God. story of Noah is much longer. We'll take three hours and talk about that now. Just kidding. But it says of Abraham, Abraham, or excuse me, of, of uh, Noah, uh, he walked faithfully with God. And then of Abraham, God tells uh, God tells Abraham, um, walk faithfully before me. All throughout the, the scriptures, we see portraits of faithfulness. One, real quickly, I love this one from the Old Testament. Uh, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, there's a guy, his name is Hezekiah. He was one of the kings of the southern kingdom of Judah. 
Uh, his father before him was a man by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz was a wicked guy. Okay? Very, very evil. Because of Ahab's lack of leadership, because of his evil, wicked leadership, people were burning their children on an altar to Moloch. Uh, and they completely neglected the temple, the temple sacrifice. He died. God wasn't happy with him. And God raised up Hezekiah. He was 25 years old when he became king of Judah. The first thing that Enoch did was, excuse me, the first thing that Hezekiah did is, is he instructed all the priests, he instructed the Levites, purify yourselves, purify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, purify yourselves, consecrate the temple, purify the temple and reinstitute the temple sacrifice. And this is what the Bible says about Hezekiah. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good, what was right and faithful. Faithful, you see that word? Before the Lord his God. And everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple, in obedience to the law and its commands, he sought his God, worked wholeheartedly. The ultimate uh, portrait of, of faithfulness is in the person of Jesus. In the New Testament, you see lots of portraits. Okay, I'm not going to go into those. But just one ultimate portrait of faithfulness in the New Testament, Jesus. Hebrews 3, 6a says this, But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And then again in Revelation 1, the Bible says, Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. You know what that means? When the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, and then it says he is the ruler over the kings of the earth, what that means is one day, every president, whether you like them or you despise them, every king, every dictator, Vladimir Putin, Every single, actually every single human being, one day, their knees will hit the ground and they will confess that Jesus is the Lord. Our God is faithful. Where and how does God want us, uh, want to see faithfulness in our lives? I'm going to hit five things and I'm going to close this fast, okay? Number one, we must fear the Lord and serve Him with all faithfulness while uprooting every idol of the heart. You cannot be faithful. You cannot be faithful, impossible to be faithful, if there is anything in your life that competes with your affection for God. Okay? There can be no faithfulness. There can be no following of Jesus if there is any idol in our hearts. We think of idols as little stone images or metal images or wood images. No, 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 no. An idol is anything that competes with God for our affections. Many times, good things, like a career or a relationship, could, good things can, when we take a good thing and make it an ultimate thing, it is an idol. It is an idol. There can be no following of Jesus. That we have to, we have to, uh, we have to fear the Lord, serve Him with all faithfulness, while uprooting every idol of the heart. This is exactly what Joshua said to the people of Israel. Joshua had led the nation of Israel into the land uh, that God had promised to give them. It was towards the end of his life he was about to die. 
And he stood before the people of Israel. And this is what he said to them. He said, now, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. That is a good thing. Okay? Not anxious dread like you do towards maybe a wild animal. But it's the fear that causes us to draw near to God. It's like a mountain climber climbing a great mountain, which I don't do. Well, I haven't done in a long time. Let me put it that way. Uh, but my daughter, her boyfriend, they love climbing, not me, you know. I prefer the couch, you know. I'll climb up onto the couch. Uh, but when, you, uh, when you're climbing, you draw near to the mountain. Because you know if you don't draw near, it's not good. We're talking about that kind of a fear. So he says, now fear the Lord. Serve him with all faithfulness. All faithfulness. Serve him. All faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. And if it doesn't seem desirable to you to serve the Lord, then serve, then, then choose which God you're going to serve. Whether it's the, the gods of the Babylonians, whether it's the gods of the Amorites, whether it's the gods of the Egyptians, choose the God you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, have you ever heard this? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will worship the Lord. Serve the Lord in all faithfulness. Rid yourselves of all idols. Secondly, we need to be faithful in small things. Well, that's what Jesus says. The one who is faithful in a very little thing is also faithful in much. The one who is unrighteous in a very little thing is also unrighteous in much. We need to be faithful in the little things, at least according to Jesus. And I think he's probably right. Okay. Number three, we need to be faithful in our service of God. Uh, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, he, he tells a parable and he tells a story uh, about these three servants. And two of the servants serve their master faithfully. One of them is unfaithful. And to the two servants who are faithful, Jesus says this. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. That we need to be faithful in our service of God. Number four, we need to be faithful in prayer. Romans twelve twelve says this. It says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. You know what that means? That we pray without giving up. You ever feel like giving up in prayer? I have. Be faithful in prayer. You ever been praying about something or for someone for a long time and your heart aches? And at some point you feel like, what's the use? You ever have that feeling? God says, be faithful in prayer. That means don't give up. Number five, we need to be faithful in the use of our gifts. First Peter chapter four says this. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have. By the way, all of us have a gift. Sometimes we look and we, maybe we look at someone like Emily or Joy or Matt and we say, wow, they're really gifted at what they do. And they are. And they're using those gifts to faithfully serve God. But there are others who are serving faithfully too. Joe is faithfully serving today in multimedia. Dan is faithfully serving on the sound. I think Jen this morning is faithfully serving, leading our children. And there are so many ways to faithfully serve other people. There are as many ways to faithfully serve others as there are people. But whatever gifts or abilities or talents God has given you, don't compare your talents and your gifts to someone else. 
just embrace the gifts that God has given you and use them to serve others. And then uh, what Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let me just say this. Faithfulness isn't natural. It's not natural. Faithfulness is supernatural. That's why you need to walk by the Spirit. See, faithfulness is not natural. It is supernatural. That's why you have to walk by the Spirit. It's impossible, apart from following Jesus and walking by the Spirit, one day at a time to be faithful. By the way, this is what I know about fruit. It grows over time. Okay? It doesn't come through a magic zap in a moment of religious passion. It is something that grows. I think that's the reason that when Paul writes of this, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he speaks of it in these terms. This is why when Jesus talks about fruitfulness in our lives, in in, uh, John chapter 15, he talks about abiding in him. It's that consistent, ongoing abiding in Jesus that we begin to see fruitfulness in our lives. Fruit grows over time. It has to be cultivated on a daily basis. We can only be faithful when we walk by the Spirit and do what comes supernaturally. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back up. Is the worship team going up? Is the worship team coming up? Okay. And Carolyn. Carolyn, I'll turn over to you. Sorry about that. That was kind of a lousy transition. Let me pray for us while they're coming up. Can I do that, please? God, you are faithful. You are. Uh, We can always trust you. And uh, because you are a good God, because you are awesomely in charge, because you are always faithful, we can walk by faith. We don't have to live in fear. And so, God, we worship you and we praise you. Lord, teach us to follow Jesus moment by moment, day by day. Teach us to walk by the Spirit moment by moment, day by day, and help us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit that's called faithfulness. And I pray this uh, in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Okay, thanks, Gary. Well, right now, um, we are going to continue our worship through communion, and that's taking the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is about the sharing of life. It's about coming together as the family of God, his people, and recognizing with gratitude the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Today, I'm grateful for the ability to come together as others in our world don't have the privilege like we do right now. Today is about coming together on common ground. Here in the church, a body of believers coming together for one purpose, to remember the blood and body shed for the forgiveness of our sins and to worship Jesus, the one who made it all possible. Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper as a reminder of the sacrifice he made for our sins and to give us hope as we follow him every day. Um, In his book, Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who you heard about earlier, said we should prepare the Lord's Supper, prepare for the Lord's Supper in the same way we prepare for worship because the Lord's Supper is worship. We prepare by slowing down, 
by turning our eyes away from ourselves and everything going on in the world and fixing our gaze on heaven and contemplating the incredible things God has done for us. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus tells us that before we come to worship, we should first come to confession, reestablishing our communion with one another before we engage in worshipful communion with God. And so before we participate, you and I must ask God to examine our hearts, ask him to point out any sin or any offense that might be forming a separation between us and him or us and someone else. You know, right now, it's very easy to be anxious or frustrated or even angry about what's happening in our world. Our words can be harsh or they can be gentle. Our actions can be kind or they can be reactive. We can seek peace or we can divide. It's very important that we keep our eyes on Jesus and let the love of God fill our hearts. I'd like to give us the opportunity right now to ask God to search our hearts to point out anything that you or I might need to confess and make right before we take communion. So right now, just between you and God, I want you to prepare your heart for this special time of communion together. So go ahead and bow your heads and just have some connection time with God. And whenever you're ready, if you need a few more minutes to pray, please, please take that. But when you are ready, um, feel free to come forward to the tables, um, one on the right, on my right, and one on my left. And I'll just ask this side of the room to go to the right and this side of the room to go to the left and um, to get your, um, to get your, your cup and your bread. And, and for those that are on Facebook um, or YouTube, um, go ahead and If you need to run to your fridge and take communion with us, please. Um, But after everyone has had the opportunity to participate, we'll share the Lord's Supper together with gratitude. And once again, whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward.
On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So drop mine on the ground. In the same in the same way, he took a cup after supper, saying, "This is the cup. Excuse me. This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, as often as you drink it." Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son so that we might have a relationship with you. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life to raise up our broken lives. Today we are here. We remember the body and we remember the blood that was shed for us. We remember, Lord, your goodness. And your faithfulness. You are the lamb that was slain. And it's your blood that washes us clean today. So today we offer ourselves in worship. Worthy is the lamb. Holy is the Lord. Thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much, Carolyn. You know, earlier this week, uh, my family and I got to go down to Orange County and spend some time with our daughter, and I, you know, we really enjoyed it. It was really good to get away. It's also really good to be here this morning. I've just had a wonderful morning, and uh, just under your leadership, Emily and uh, Gary, I really appreciate in particular what you had to say about the Ukraine and what's going on over there and because it's just heartbreaking to see. So I appreciate you doing that and uh, for faithfully preaching God's word. Uh, I just want to mention a couple of uh, announcements before uh, I hand it back over to Emily to uh, to close us out this morning. Uh, I want to mention, you know, uh, connection is something that's important to the heart of God. And it's, it's something that's super, super important to our church. And that's why it's one of the reasons we've built a greeting time back into the service, because it's kind of safe to do so now. We've, we've added refreshments and coffee back. Aren't you glad to have those back as well? And look at that beautiful sign that was put up there by the uh, uh, refreshment area. Goodness gracious, that's really cool. That's really nice. Um, you know, so so uh, connections super important. There's a few other ways I want to remind you that, uh, ways you, you can connect uh, through our small groups um, and through joining our ministry teams. And you can find information about those things on our app uh, and on our website, which is SolanaValley.org. Also, if you'd like to uh, have coffee with me or Gary, it's uh, that's actually in our job description. And uh, it's probably one of the favorite parts of our job description. I'm kidding. I mean, about the job description. It is a, one of our favorite things to do. And we'd be we'd be honored to just uh, sit down and 
and uh, and talk with you and hear more about your story and tell you about ours. Um, so we'd love to connect with you in that in that way. Um, also, and, and in the other ways as well, I want to remind you about our Life in the Spirit Spiritual Growth Challenge. It's still happening. We're still moving through this wonderful uh, series that Gary's been doing. Um, and a, a few important things that we are doing during this series that I want to remind you about. Uh, making Sunday morning worship a priority. Thank you very much for being here and for doing that. Uh, there's something powerful about corporate worship. There's something powerful about when we're all together and worshiping God together, um, it's just good for our souls, good for our hearts. Also, being in God's word every day, number two. Being in God's word every day. You can't get to know someone unless you spend time with them. So make time in his word every day a priority. Also, praying Galatians five thirteen through 26, what Elsa uh, uh, said earlier, uh, read from earlier. Uh, praying this for our church and for you and for your family. And also, as I just mentioned earlier, joining a small group. And, and as I said, information on our groups is on our, is on our app and on our website. Um, there's something, you know, we do life better together. And there's something about being in a community of people and, and, you know, digging into God's word together, supporting one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. It's a life-giving thing. And it's, it's a worthy investment of your time. So uh, also, and, and finally, I want to mention uh, we have an opportunity now to worship God with our giving. Um, and there are five different ways that you can give. You can do it on our website at solanavalley.org slash giving. You can tap the Give button on the SVC app. If you don't have our app, if you go to the Google Play or the App Store and just type Solano Valley Church and download it, you'll be able to do that. When you tap that Give button, it'll take you to a new window and it'll just take you through the process of being able to do that you can also send a check to 1307 oliver road fairfield california 94534 you can text the word give to 707-883-3019 and when you if you do that you'll get a, a an, immediate, an immediate response back that will take you through the process of that and if you're here in person if you prefer you can um, behind our sound booth we have a silver mail slot in the wall back there. You can stick a physical check today. Uh, I got here early this morning and started setting stuff up. And someone, I don't know who it was, they drove up in their car and they stuck their tithe check through the door and then they drove away. I didn't even get to say, oh, thank you. You know, <laughs> I don't know who it was. I didn't recognize them. But thank you for giving whoever you are. Yeah, that was a good drive by. Uh so thank you so much for your kindness, for your generosity, and for uh, investing in God's kingdom. Emily, back to you.
morning. Have a really wonderful rest of your day.